Everything went fine for light years, so we're saying good luck to you, Leo Grand. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Zara Freeland. And this is your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen, your seven-day roundup of everything celluloid, streaming, and otherwise just slapped on a screen for our, our full amusement. Uh, quite, quite a weird one uh, this week. You notice we're getting a, an, an upswing. You know, oh, welcome back, by the way, Sarah. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking because we've been talking for an hour. I forget that you know it's you know, everyone else hasn't like heard from you in a while on the show. So that's <laughs> there's that to consider. Sorry about that. How you been? Welcome back. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm like nothing's come out that I've really been that interested in. So you know, just take it easy. Did you did you not enjoy the hell out of? Uh, oh, we did. We'll get to it. We'll get to it in the review. About we'll get to it in the review. But let's let's yeah. talk them first and foremost. We've got we've got a new film from Francois Ozon and the return of Sophie Marceau, who I hadn't seen in a movie in years. Remember Sophie Marceau? She was a Bond girl once. She was in a movie that won Best Picture once. <laughs> once. But she she didn't she didn't return for the sequel. Strangely enough. Uh, so everything went fine. New say new movie from Ozon uh, based on uh, the true story memoirs of Emmanuel Bernhard, who um, is a woman, who, a writer in contemporary Paris, say true story, who has struggles when asked, when tasked by her crotchety father, who is never the most likable guy at the best of times, evidently, when he has a stroke and then asks her to uh, to uh, assist in acquiring his medically, aid, medically assisted suicide and the emotional ringer that this puts her through. Um, th- this one kind of caught me off guard. I liked this a lot more than I thought. Obviously, French subtitled film. And is it just me or have the, the subtitled French movies and the, the Euro cinema recently really been grappling with, particularly French films, really been grappling with the familial social melodrama of like, it feels like only five minutes ago we had the, the abortion drama, The Happening, that was uh, kind of similarly toned, that similar kind of low energy drama. Did you, How did you find uh, find everything went fine? I actually, for, for the majority of it, I was actually bored stiff, to be oh, quite that, honest. that was this, because you did text me early on and say, get a bit bored with this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, the storyline, yeah, I can understand how that's, that's quite, a, you know, it's um, an interesting storyline. It's, you know, about what they call it, self-suicide. And I did find that really interesting, but it just got to a point where I was like, well, something's got to happen. And nothing actually did seem to happen. Until they finally decided to break him out of the hospital, <laughs> and that's it. Because the whole the, the whole movie the whole movie when it gets to its third act feels like a tonal shift in a way. Because more there's more excitement and energy in that last bit, and I know that's kind of more reflective of the reality of it. So you know you can argue that it is you know keeping to its reality quite well, its truthfulness in that way quite well. Uh, performances are great though. I thought so for myself. It was really damn good in it. Like I hadn't seen, like I say, I hadn't seen her in years. I've forgotten about Sophie Marceau, one of the wave of uh, French actresses that uh, Hollywood tried to crowbar into the mainstream, along with Emmanuel Bier in in the first Mission Impossible movie. And I think I think you finally caught on with like Leia Sadu in 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 the in the in the noughties, in the noughts. Um, was that was was uh, blue is the warmest color. What year was that? Like 2009, 2010? It must be about years. The memory's not as good as it used to be. <laughs> well, I mean, I liked uh, Everything Went Fine. I just thought it was a li- that low energy. I thought it kept you at a little bit too much of a distance. It was a little bit too buttoned down, a little bit too restrained. But outside of that, everything else about it worked for me. And I was really captivated and really, really sort of enchanted by it. I was, I was really invested. But it was 
at the expense of that caveat. So that's everything yeah. uh, went fine. That's uh, Raider 15 and he's in Cinema Master today, distributed by Curzon. So you know you'll be able to find it in a Curzon if it's not in your local multiplex. Means it's also probably on their uh, on-demand at-home player as well. Very handy thing to have. They were ahead of the time there. But let's move on uh, very quickly to uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand, uh, which is out from today. I'm very excited about it. So I got to see this a few weeks ago. I've been looking forward to talking about this, particularly with you. I know this is a movie you'll, you'll very much enjoy. Um, written by uh, Caitlin Moran. I want to say. Oh, Casey Brand. Kate, not Kate and Caitlin Moran. Casey Brand. Brand. Yeah, written and created by Casey oh, Brand as a Doesn't mean Caitlin Moran has written it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, directed uh, for the screen by Sophie Hyde, who did, uh, was it Animals a few years ago with the Holiday Granger and Alia Shawcat, which I really liked, and it seemed to vanish into nowhere. This sees uh, Emma Thompson as the uh, yeah, upper middle-aged widowed school teacher who decides following her husband's death that there's just a lot of life that she's never experienced there's a lot of the the the, the developmental ex exploration of of her sexual side for instance that she never got to explore in her quite buttoned down quite vanilla kind of just a garden variety standard unexciting marriage so she decides you know her husband's passed on she's got some good years left she wants to explore these things while she can so she hires a sex worker to meet her in a nondescript you know sort of anonymous hotel rooms. It's got the air of sort of a premiere in day room kind of a thing going for it. And she's you know, got a little couch, coffee table and a bed, you know, mini bar. She gets the sex worker played by Daryl McCormick, who has I'm trying to remember how I phrase this. Rami Malek intensity with reggae Jean Page smolder would be the best. And, and an Irish accent. So package all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Package all that together. That's the sort of 20-something sex worker she hires. And he's charming as all hell. He's very good at his job. And the two have these, these three meetings. Three meetings over the course of relatively short, just over the course of a few months. And so we get to see what the passage of time between these meetings has done to them personally, how it affects their interactions, how they have evolved and how they get along differently. It's fantastic, but as you can imagine, it's Emma Thompson. So as well as being moving as hell, it's also absolutely hilarious, as you will hear here. So I've made a list of things that I'd like to get through. Oh, that sounds sexy. Don't mock me, I'm a teacher. Old habits die hard. What's first on the list? <clears throat> Number one, uh, I perform on you. Number two, you perform on me. Number three, we do a if that's what it's still called. I don't know. Um, four, me on top. Five. Well, that all sounds very achievable. Oh, does it? Oh, good. Good, because I, I, I have no frame of reference. I've tried um, looking on the internet, but it's alarming, frankly. I mean, if you type in classy porn to Google, up pop 12 windows of I mean, there's no build-up at all. Have I booked enough time? So that's Daryl McCormick there, as you can you can you can hear on the clip. And oh my God, it's like I say, he, he's got that 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 uh, reggae Jean Page smolder down. This guy is going to be a heartthrob of the making. But it's Emma Thompson, you know, she's our national treasure. We love Emma. Yeah, definitely. And it's also, you know, it, it makes the change that we're going to get a film that is not two young teenagers in love. We're actually seeing a perspective of an older woman, which is really quite refreshing to see as well. 
Yeah, and, and it, I'd say Emma Thompson, it's, it's just perfect for her. It's one of those things where she actually is, you don't think of it because we think of Emma Thompson as being so much younger than she is, that she is the actual age of this thing. It is kind of a role that has been like precision crafted for Emma Thompson to play. So that it makes perfect sense. In fact, it, it's weirder to see her sort of aged up in this, as it were, because we just, you, we think of her as relatively ages. Um, she's just absolutely captivating in this. For a movie that has to straddle that line between the sincere, the heartfelt, and the hilarious, Emma Thompson lives there. That's her zone. Like, there's, there's not really a, can she do this? Well, we know she can. That's literally where she lives on that spectrum. So, of course, she's absolutely terrific in it. Um, it does have a stage play-like structure. I think it did start life as a stage play, and you do kind of get that feel feel to it. Um, I, I would watch that stage play as well, because I have a feeling that it'll go on for a long time. They'll just go through different combinations of who is an actress of that age who we adore that's good, that can do that for a few months on the West End. And we'll get, like, whichever Hollyoaks heartthrob, you know. To, and, and I feel like that's going to be a combination for a while you know like yeah. this will live on it's a very very charming movie it's very sexually blunt it's very open it's very raw well, i was going to ask you actually how graphic does it get yes they they do go there they do they they go there in places they do talk about they, they say it, it's a warts and all dramedy it doesn't spare anything there's not there's not really a euphemism it doesn't fall back on euphemism or anything like that it it goes all in it really does. And it is a solid five-star time. Charm the hell out of me. It's good luck to you, Leo Grant. It's on Hulu in the US. Lionsgate are releasing it in cinemas in the UK uh, from today. Uh, I would imagine, I think if Hulu have it, we may get it to Disney+. Plus. I'm not sure what the, the deal is with that. But if it does happen, we are talking, you know, a week. We talk, we're talking about weeks to 45 days, somewhere in there. But otherwise, if you want an unorthodox date movie, just the greatest out-of-the-box date movie, Go and see this. Actually, I think you'll you'll be collectively charmed, won over, and just kind of seduced by it, for lack of a better term. Right up your alley, Sarah, definitely. Fantastic. I'll have to definitely cover that one. And we're back with more from the multiplex for your movie goodness for the week. And do you know what? I've, I've got to be really honest, Sarah. You saw this next one before I did. And I, I remember asking you, like, any good? And you went, yeah, yeah, yeah it's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was how you sold it to me. Like, yeah, it's good. Um, I, I then had the experience myself a few, like, I think it was like a few days later, it was like four or five days later. I went on, on a Saturday morning to the Odeon in Leicester Square with uh, my friend, his wife, and uh, their son. And we just had an absolute blast. And blast is the operative word, of course, because, and I will admit, I was expecting nothing from this. It's light year. It's it's Pixar's. This when this got announced, it was bizarre. The Pixar just said, "Okay, we're doing light year." I'm like you're doing Buzz Lightyear of Star Command because they they already did that and it wasn't any good if memory serves. Like they just gave him a bunch of supporting characters. Buzz Lightyear of the Toy Story series gets his supporting characters and goes off on space adventures. So it was basically the beginning of Toy Story two, like that that sequence you see from the video game in at the beginning of Toy yeah. Story two. So I had no idea what this was going to be, in much the same way that we had no idea what Into the Spider-Verse was going to be. So I'm going to pass it over to you, because you know you are you are obviously going to be left because you're not 
as you know you don't have that, that, that those decades and decades of being as entrenched in comic book lore nerd culture that you know saddles me as a human being you, you probably you, you get to actually give us a somewhat more relatable normal person's view of how this fits within a cross-media franchise <laughs> Um, well, it actually, Lightyear comes before the Toy Story, so it's a young yeah. Buzz Lightyear. So it comes before any of that. Mm. Um, and it's basically him and his crew, they get stranded on a, a planet in the middle of the solar system, wherever it doesn't... It never actually gets uh, established where it is. Um, and he takes it upon himself to find a way of them to get back to Earth because they've run out of fuel and they need to find a new way of doing it. Um, but after each attempt of circling another planet to try, uh, what is it, the hyperspeed? Hyperspeed, it is a hyperspeed, it's a hyperspeed test flight that loops around the, the system's sun. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah. But with that also comes the um, time travel seems to, he goes, <laughs> what, what he thinks is only, what, an hour? Is mm. actually, what, Four years, five years. He loses loses half a decade, I think it is, every time he takes a trip, roughly due to time dilation. It costs him personally about five years. So he doesn't age, but everyone yeah. else does, and it's a Pixar movie, so it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, for me, I I, I found it quite. It, that one thing that sold me about it was obviously Chris Evans is the voice of Buzz Lightyear taken over from Tim Allen. Can we, can we just address this? Because this got brought up. We've got to play, play the clip in a second. We've got to bring this. This got brought up on Twitter this week by the actress Patricia, Patricia Heaton, who I think worked with Tim Allen on, was it Home Improvement? And uh, she, she she put out there that, oh, it, it, it's a disgrace that Disney haven't hired, you know, my man, my friend Tim Allen, you know, my it's, it's his role. How dare they give it to him. Right. It is not actually the same Buzz Lightyear. The film very, very simply sums it up as, in 1995, a kid named Andy, and literally it says this in text, in the Toy Story yeah. following the movie. In 1995, a boy named Andy bought, you know, got bought an action figure from his favourite movie. This is that movie. And the yeah. clever thing about that is, it's all the stuff that got dumbed down to be Tim Allen doing a sort of mock voice of this movie character. So he was the yeah. crappy... He was the crappy Flash Gordon figure that got released when the Toy Story universe got its own actual Flash Gordon. So this, by extension, becomes Pixar's Flash Gordon. Buzz Lightyear mission log, Stardate 3901. After a full year of being marooned, our first hyperspeed test flight is a go. Who are you talking to? Uh, no one. You were narrating again. I was not. Just doing the mission log. You do know no one ever listens to those. I know that. Narrating helps me focus. Ready, Captain Lightyear? Ready as I'll ever be, Commander Hawthorne. This is exciting, a new adventure. I'm gonna grant you four minutes to be off planet, but then you come right back to us. To infinity. And beyond. Okay, so yeah, for me, this actually felt a little, some of it felt a little bit flat. Although I've got to say, within the first half an hour of the bloody, of the, of the thing, I was in tears. There's a thing, I'm not going to tell you what it was, but you will be crying within the first half an hour. Um, well, I think, I think, I think we covered that with, there's a four or five year time dilation and it's a Pixar movie. Like the minute it comes <laughs> up, 
The minute that element's introduced, you're like, oh, God, hang on a minute. We're watching a Pixar movie. Brace yourselves, people. Brace yourselves. You know, like you, you sat there thinking, you're looking around thinking, what the hell have we let ourselves in for? What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, but they usually come at the end. This one comes pretty early in the film. <laughs> well, I don't know, because up oh, opened with one, didn't it? Like, up oh, oh, literally yeah, opened okay. with us. So, so all bets are off nowadays with Pixar, I think. Yeah. Um, I do think the, the writing, the, di- the the actual dialogue was actually a little bit weak for my part. Um, yeah. Again, I know you, you're very much in love with the science fiction element of it, which straight over my yeah. head doesn't really make any difference to me. Um, but there is one takeaway, uh, one scene stealer was definitely the robot cat socks. Socks, socks, the cat. Yeah, he, he's amazed. How much merch are they going to sell of socks? Oh, cat? Yeah. There's already something that's gone out today about, oh. uh, I think, showcase cinemas have sent a toy up into space for. No, I can, I can believe it. Space. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I, I mean, for me, I, I thought this was an absolutely brilliant, like, sci-fi adventure. And it, 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 it scratched that Flash, Flash Gordon itch that I have. Uh, that, To be honest, really, we get Star Wars, I think. But outside of that, there's really only Guardians of the Galaxy that gets to do this, you know, great big honking sci-fi space adventure kind of thing. And, that's, and that does it well that actually does it well and that you would conceivably watch a franchise of. I love that this is basically Interstellar done better and somehow done more clearly and more concisely and in a way that you can literally explain to children, which blew my mind. Um, What you said about the writing, um, I, I actually think there's a misconception they don't quite sell because this is meant to be Flash Gordon within... You know the pick the reality of the Pixar universe. I think that's intentional, and I think that's why a lot of the casting is the way that it is. Because I think there's a lot of, if the movie would be ridiculous within the reality of that universe, it has to be slightly more ridiculous when you when you account for the real world as well. So I think you get that kind of we have to kind of play along with the lantern jawed wink wink nudge nudge of it that well hey space and space rangers kind of thing. There's a lot of ace rimmering for for, for lack of a better term. If you know your red dwarf, there's a fair bit yeah. of ace because Chris Evans's Buzz Lightyear has to be as ridiculous as the Buzz Lightyear we know, but it has to be justified. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? He has to actually be able to do all of the things that Tim Allen's Buzz Lightyear mistakenly believes he can do. And it has yeah, to make sense, yeah. He actually does it really well. I think Chris Evans was perfect for it. He's got that, that, that kind of charm about his, his the whole tone in his voice. He just he delivers it really well. You do feel, don't you, like, this, this guy's just been practicing when he's been Captain America <laughs> this entire time. His Captain America was just practice for when he yeah. gets to be Buzz Lightyear. Like, that's his flash. Go on, I can see why you do it. I mean, I think yeah. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant movie. Um, runtime, like, perfect, perfect amount, perfect uh, duration. I think about 100 and something minutes. Hour 53, is it? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Um, I I just thought it was so much fun. It had me whooping, had me cheering, like you said, had me crying. I cried twice at this as well. Once one sort of happily towards the end and one sort of like sadly towards me. Probably the same exact moment. Um, I loved it. I see it on, if you can somehow see, I don't know if you've seen IMAX or anything, but if you can do, it's just visually extraordinary. And it moves. It's got energy, but it stops to really make you feel as well. Um, Didn't expect anything from Lightyear and it just absolutely took me out of this world. 
to our screen and now we're uh, looking at Freeview for the next week. Yep, seven days, seven movies, and, well, I mean, th- th- these are not exactly the, the height of cinematic class. I mean, we pretty much go for, you know, whatever's the most fun, whatever we can enjoy uh, each day, which is why uh, tonight... 9pm on Great Movies. We've gone with Pineapple Express, which I feel like never gets the love it deserves. I was a victim of its time. It, it's, it was... Um, this this was Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's attempt to create the quote-unquote weed action movie they'd always dreamt of, which sees Seth Rogen as... He's a process server. He literally serves people with subpoenas and things. Um, who is... Uh, he, witnesses, he witnesses the murder... It's the murder of one crime boss by a corrupt cop whilst he's smoking a, pati- a particular strain of rare weed that one of the cops' uh, accomplices is is the is the exclusive seller for. And basically, he and his dealer, played by James Franco, find themselves pursued through Los Angeles. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, it's got it turned out to be something of a star-making turn for Danny McBride for five minutes, although he kind of petered out i think on fx and cable comedies like eastbound and down and things i've not really seen much of him uh since but i've got a clip for you of and this will intrigue you this one because i don't know if you remember who played her but this is uh, seth rogan um <laughs> going to his underage high school underage girlfriend's house to try and get her and her parents to join him on the run for their protection we should call the police right away. We can't call the police. The police oh. were the murderers. That's what's we so can't call flipping the police. scary. They were the murderers. They were the murderers. Angie, you... I swear to God, what you do you... something or I'm gonna. So no, don't. Don't let him gonna. No, don't wanna. Look, we gotta get the F out of here. Let's go. We need to begin to prematurely evacuate. Are you high? What? No, I'm not high. What? You are high as a Kite. I'm not high. Let's go. We're not going anywhere. I'm coming back in a minute. You know what I'm coming back with? No, what? I'm coming back with a gun. You better be out of here. Robert, don't. I'm not with you. Amber Heard with the wrong man? Never. Anyway, so that's Pineapple Express, 9pm tonight on Great Movies. Uh, 10.20 tomorrow night on BBC One. Uh, I, I don't know if... I don't remember, actually, what you thought of this one, but this is four years ago. It's Blake Lively. It's Anna Kendrick. It's Henry Golding. It's a simple favour. You remember this one, don't you? I do. I actually really love this. It, it's just full of entertainment. It's, it's at every turn. It, it, there's a bit of a twist, and it just gets you every every time. It's just you never know what's coming up next. Yeah, it's a proper old school like for the adults thriller, isn't it? But like starring two actresses who but perennially play about twenty eight. It seems so. It does seem to be aimed at, aimed exclusively sort of at that age bracket. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it was a content. Contemporary thriller, it's something we don't get very often. Uh, recent examples include things like The Gift, or the Joel Edgerton one from 2016 with Jason Bateman. It's nice when we get them, though, but this is... this is Apparently we're getting a, a, a sequel to this as well, but uh, a unique step outside the comedy genre for Paul Feig. But keeping us in the realm of for the adults thrillers, this one's from all the way back in 1992 for our Sunday night pick at 10 past 11 on Five Star. It's... Uh, this was this was an odd one. This was a... This was like, I think it was a 17-year-old Drew Barrymore starring in an erotic thriller opposite Sarah Gilbert and Tom Skerritt that would go on to spawn a line of 
increasingly crap director DVD, not director DVD, didn't even have DVD by director video <laughs> sequels. Um, this, the first of which, Poison Ivy 2 Lily, in I think 1996, I will confess to being a huge fan of because it does star Alyssa Milano as its lead. So, yeah, alas, Drew Barrymore, though, leads the first one, 1992's Poison Ivy. Here's a clip of uh, Ms. Barrymore. And but remember, like, at this point, she's known as being the kid from E.T. and Firestarter, but she's now, like, a teenager. So you're watching this movie for the first time in 1992. It's probably going to blow your mind. She is the psycho best friend with designs on seducing her new friend's dad and worming her way into the family. Hi. Mm. It's nice and cool in here. Um, I missed my ride. Think you could take me to Olympic in Fairfax? No. Just a sec. Dad, she's my best friend. Why didn't you think of that before? Oh, come on, just this once, please, and then I'll be grounded forever. What's your name? Ivy. Oh, great. Good Lord. Get in. Have you ever seen Poison Ivy then, Sarah? I haven't, no. You're not. Oh, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to get you a link to watch that one somewhere. Poison I Ivy's think... a classic. Well, what you told me, it's more like a teenage boy's wet dream. So it that probably wouldn't have appealed to me at the time. Actually, the very first one, believe it or not, because it's like all those franchises where you know, it just went off the rails later. The very first one is actually aimed at teenage girls. Like it, it's from the teenage daughter's perspective, it's from Sarah Gilbert's perspective. The lead character is actually Sarah Gilbert from Roseanne. So really weird thing. But uh, one we'll talk about very quickly. It's actually being followed the, 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 the following night, the subsequent night by its own sequel, actually. Split is on 11 12 on uh, Monday night on Film 4 uh, with James McAvoy as, is it 27 different personalities I think he gets to play in that one? 27 or is it 28? 27, 20, it's a 20-something, that's all I remember. But uh, you can also see the follow-up Glass is on, I believe, on Tuesday nights on Film 4 as well. Alas, Tuesday night for us, though, we'll be going elsewhere, thank you very much, because the original and still the second-best Hellboy movie is on ITV4 at 9pm on Tuesday nights. It's, it's, the, it's the, uh, the, the one that introduced the world to, real, really, in, reduced main, introduced mainstream culture, really to the character of Hellboy, Mike Mignola's Hellboy, as played by Ron Perlman, and really was, I think, is probably still the biggest role next to Sons of Anarchy for Ron Perlman. So see that 9pm ITV4 Tuesday night. Hellboy takes on Rasputin. I mean, as a, as a concept, it's a good one. Um, one that I'd sort of forgotten about, and I, I'm looking forward to revisiting, and we've got a clip for this one as well. Uh, Wednesday night, 5 past 11 on Great Movies. I don't know if you remember this one, Sarah. It's Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. I don't remember this at all. I was, when you sent me the script, I was like, complete blank. We, you remember that that phase in the noughts, in the noughts, I keep trying to differentiate, I can't decide between the noughties and the noughts when I say this. In the noughts, when you had the frat pack, and it was like, you know, Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, you know, those good, Judd Apatow, then he splintered off and caught, you know, did his own thing. Um, th this was one of those, and John, this is John C. Riley and uh, Will Ferrell, this is one of their team-ups, I think this is the one before Step Brothers, and uh, they are 
the this is the one that does NASCAR and they 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 take on a rival played by Sasha Baron Cohen as a French racing car driver. It's basically it's the one that gets to do all the all the anchorman level mocking of white trash American NASCAR culture, effectively. As you'll hear in this clip, when you hear Leslie Bibb trying to correct Will Ferrell's version of how to say grace. You know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled up fist pawing. He was a man, he had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best, do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. Yeah, so I don't really remember this. I saw this theatrically as well, but it's been 17 years, I think, so. I think as soon as she mentioned all those actors, I was like, that's why I haven't seen it, because I hated all of them. <laughs> Most of them. That's a good enough reason. That's a good enough reason then. I, one that you have to see. I don't know if this is, is this on your DVD shelf? I can't remember offhand. Uh, one, I still think one of the best movies ever made. Uh, 9 p.m. on the Horror Channel, Thursday nights. John Carpenter's 1982 classic, It's The Thing, starring Kurt Russell, Keith David, oh, Wilfred Brimley. I mean, how often do you say, it's so badass it has Wilfred Brimley in it and there's no diabetes in sight. Uh, man, man is the warmest place to hide is uh, is the discovery of an alien uh, that, he's, that he's unearthed from the Arctic ice and sets about a an American research facility, causing the, in, the, the inhabitants of facility to turn on one another one by one. You must have seen this a dozen times, surely. Not that I can remember. Again, it's yeah. not one of, I was ne no, I was never a horror mm. fan, so a lot of them mean nothing to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> this this got kind of a reboot called prequel in 2011. Funnily enough, starring Joel Edgerton alongside uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I think it was, that was actually pretty good. It just let the side down a little bit with an over-reliance on CGI, but it works, it fits the story, but see the original, see the best, see the thing on Thursday night on the Horror Channel at 9 p.m. And we're back for one last ride off screen. And we're taking you down the virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle, down the completely virtual streaming aisle, obviously. And, well, if there's anything on digital, we'll mention that too. But actually, we never really get those release dates. Alas, one that uh, came out on Disney+, Plus, on Disney+, Plus, on Hulu. Same diff, technically, same diff. Uh, came out on yeah. Hulu, I think, back at the end of March. It's finally getting released on Disney+, Plus from today, is uh, Plan B, which uh, looked like quite a fun dramedy. Uh, this is this is about a, a high school girl who's got a relatively repressed kind of every girl kind of life. Like you know, she fancies the boy that she doesn't think she'll ever gonna get. She's ever gonna get. She's kind of just she's a dowdy. She's not one of the cool kids. She's an every kid. You know, uh, goes to goes to sorry has a party one night in which she she actually gets to hook up with the object of her affection. She gets to live the dream, except um, something let's just say goes wrong on the safety end of it. Oh, and, and this being North America, she has to uh, set out for plan B. 
And well, you, you can imagine what sort of an exercise this could be. If you've seen the news in the last few months, you can imagine yeah. what fodder this might offer a dramedy for Hulu, as you'll hear in our clip. Sorry, but I decline to offer you the plan B, Phil. Have a nice day. Let's go to Planned Parenthood in Rapid City. Hey, do you realize this is our first official road trip? Where are we on here? What do these red lines mean? This really it needs a pension zone. I hate to tell you, but Planned Parenthood is probably closed for the night. My 24-hour window is closing. So the condom just fell out? I've been there. Sounds quite fun. I think there's a, there's a similar one. I think there's a series or a movie called Unpregnant that came out around the same time. I think that starred Haley Lou Richardson uh, as well. But that's on Disney Plus from today. I, I, that looks quite fun and chirpy. The clip is a bit ris- borderline risque. I mean, obviously we had to we had to do some bleeping, as you, as you can tell. I mean, between that and uh, that and Leo Grant killing us this week for bleeps, killing us. Um, <laughs> well, that we don't have to bleep though. No, no, there's no clip for one thing. Um, coming to Disney Plus. Alongside that today, we've got a couple, a couple actually, and these these throw back from I think the same year. Uh, the first is "Don't Say a Word," starring Michael Douglas and Brittany Murphy. Do you remember this one? It's where he's the psychiatrist, and she's the incar- she's the the inmate at one of his uh, one of his facilities. She's the patient at one of his facilities. Inmate. I don't think she's incarcerated, actually. No, she's just uh, locked up for uh, assessment, I think. So she's in for diagnosis, and he basically gets uh, threatened by, I think it's Sean, I want to say Sean Bean, is the nutter who wants the information that's locked in her head, who has to threaten the psychiatrist to break her out of the hospital to... Yeah, this is that for that five-minute period when Brittany Murphy was red hot. Yeah, you could yeah. sell her in any movie for five minutes and, like, she was doing Eight Mile and, and then Just Married and things like that. Uh, this was part of that little streak that she had going for five minutes. You've seen the documentary uh, What Happened, Brittany Murphy. This movie comes up a lot. But it's a solid thrill. I really like it. I think Famke Janssen plays uh, Michael Douglas's wife in this but uh, good times I remember seeing this theatrically it was, it was a good solid schlocker um, same year incidentally do you remember this remake Bedazzled with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley as the devil oh yes yeah I was looking yeah. at it thinking do I remember this one don't I but now you've said that yes it was, it was, uh, it was uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore in the original and in this new you know re- remade for, for the millennium duties went to uh, Liz, Liz Hurley to play Satan and uh, 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 oh, I've literally just I'm, I'm absolutely forget, forgetting his name I've literally just said it out loud Brendan Fraser, Fraser. Brendan Fraser thank you very much Brendan Fraser <laughs> <laughs> I always said Brendan Cumberbatch I'm like you're confusing two entirely separate names there Brendan Fraser the Encino man of course showing my age there um, as, as the loser who Satan will make a series of wishes for with increasingly diminishing convoluted returns it's such a fun movie. It's one of those that's kind of born for streaming. If you've never seen 2000's Bedazzled, which got absolutely killed on release, if memory served, um, I think you should check it out. But one that I know people will naturally flock towards because how could you not? It's so buzzy. Um, still quite recent. I think this was only released seven, eight months ago. House of Gucci comes to Amazon Prime or Prime Video from today. So if you want to hear the greasiest accent ever uttered by a human being, you can now watch Jared Leto doing his Super Mario impression through House of Gucci. But just to keep some sanity, uh, let's pass it over to Gaga. You ever steal anything, Paula? What? Forgive me. 
I'm trying to teach Alessandra the importance of not touching other people's belongings. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. What I cannot wrap my head around is people who steal just for ego or the pleasure of it, for personal satisfaction. Yeah, coming off of accents, yeah, I knew you were going to say Jared Leto there, actually, to be quite honest. But I think Lady Gaga obviously kills this one completely. She, mm. She's just the best thing about this. Yeah. She just keeps proving that how good of an actress she is. Think... Not so much that great, but hey. You remember when we, we kind of, we, we saw this and just immediately expected, like, well, this has got to come up around Oscar time, surely. Like, that's, they'll, they'll just chuck her into... That's it. It's obvious what that is. Uh, Never happened. Was kind of surprised by that. Not, I mean, did Jared Leto get nominated? I really didn't. I can't remember now. I have no, I can't even remember. God, (laughs) God, I. Everything. <laughs> oh, God, he was so awful. In it. Anyway, yeah. right. Um, but that's right, it's a buzzy movie. And it is worth watching because it's quite fun. It's trash fun, isn't it, House of Gucci? Yeah, it is. Um, falling under similar reins uh, coming and coming to Netflix on Monday, we have The Craft Legacy, the reboot call to The Craft, which arrives, I think this arrived 25 years on from the, the crowd. I think it, was, it literally fell 25 years on. Follows a new group of witches, uh, 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 you know, former coven, teenage girl coven, and uh, go up against a new malevolent force. However, in the first movie, it was their own demons. In this one, more of an external uh, force. Again, this one didn't do very well at all, I don't think, theatrically, but wasn't the worst reviewed. I think this fell under the sort of, eh, it's a fine three-star kind of a time. Worth it to see uh, David Duchovny absolutely swinging from the rafters with his version of a uh, of a, of a sort of men's rights activist. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It, was, it was a sort of like, was it Was it like, uh, I forget what it's like, like all, not all men kind of a character. Like, very zeitgeisty. Um, and another one, this is coming out on Monday as well. This, we're getting two on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday. Uh, the first one, I think you and I might have reviewed this on a show together around the time. It's The Card Counter with Oscar Isaac. This was a Paul Schrader movie. And I remember this actually being really good. I can't say the same because I got so annoyed with how bored I was. I switched <laughs> it off halfway through. I just couldn't get into it. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. It's like, nothing's happening. <laughs> so it's a Paul Schrader movie. Yay! <laughs> so if you like a Paul Schrader movie, check out The Card Counter. If you don't like a Paul Schrader movie, definitely don't check out The Card Counter. I thought it was a good fun, actually. Um, but uh, alas, something that is more fun i mean unquestionably more fun than the card counter uh this this comes to dvd finally on monday it's ty west's x which stars mia goth amongst others as the 70s set group of uh, basically porn makers and stars who rent a cabin in the marshlands uh, on the uh, on the sort of eve of the breakout of vhs and set about using this landscape to make a series of adult films uh, however they have not banked on what their arrival will do the 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 this the stirs it will cause in the loins of the locals namely there would be landlords a creepy ass farmer and his equally creepy ass old decrepit wife who let's just say react on a somewhat regressive and very primal level 
to all the hormones being flung around. I've seen you sneaking a few long peeks at Jackson over here. No, no I, I okay. wasn't looking. You don't mind none. She's right. I don't mind. No offense. Everybody likes sex. It's a guess. We're just not afraid to admit it. Queer, straight, black, white. <laughs> it's all disco. You know why? Because one day, we're gonna be too old to f And life's too short, if you ask me. Roger that. The fact of the truth of the matter is, we turn folks on. And that scares them. And they can't look away neither. That's right. We're like a foxy car wreck. <laughs> so have you seen this one, Zara? I can't say that I have, no. No. This is this is one of my, like, Tucker and Dale versus evil type kind of enjoyments. Like, I, I really love this. It's a proper slash-em-up. Like, a proper grindhouse slash-em-up. But it's Ty West doing it, so it automatically comes with slightly more authenticity than, for instance, when Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did an actual grindhouse homage and then called it grindhouse because that was their level of subtlety. Um... Yeah, this is like a better version of that. It's just good fun. I mean, a hack and slash good time. Um, if you're not into like a, a, a gore fest, then don't don't do this and don't go into this looking for Hamlet or nothing. Uh, but is worth it to see uh, Mia Goth play not one but two roles, which I didn't even notice the first time I watched the movie. So. Yeah, she pulls a Daniel Jackson on that one. Um, one final film to round up the week, and we know people are going to love this as soon as it comes online because they loved it when it was in cinemas uh, five minutes ago. Uh, coming to... I'm going to be on Disney Plus already. I know, right? Yeah, so Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which we've played the clip a dozen times in various forms over the last few months, so we're not going to play it again. But it's coming to Disney Plus on uh, Wednesday, June the 22nd, which puts it exactly two weeks, I think, ahead of the release of Thor, Love and Thunder, and also on the same day as, uh, I think it's going to be episode three of Ms. Marvel, which I think will end with, with the week after Thor, Love and Thunder. So they do they do bank all this Marvel stuff together so there's never a gap when they can help it. I'm looking forward to it. I think after Thor, Love and Thunder, we get She-Hulk. So, you know, all power. Looking Which forward to she a lot of good fun as well. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It does. I can't wait for She-Hulk. Also, I, I, I have no, in no way do I have any kind of an awkward attraction to She-Hulk. But I'm, I'm saying nothing. Um, alas, uh, uh, other things to look forward to in the future. But more recently, next, you know, next week, uh, The Man from Toronto is coming up next week for us to review. I've been looking forward to this one. This is Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, it's... Um... I think this is a mistaken identity hitman kind of a kind uh, kind of a comedy. Uh, one I do know that you've seen though that we're going to talk about next week. George Michael, Freedom Uncut, is next week. Yes, and I'm very much looking forward to that because I'm a massive George Michael fan. Who isn't? Well, who, who of the classy among us isn't? Um, <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's Elvis finally shakes his way into cinemas next week as well, so we get to talk about that and one of the most bonkers performances of the year as a result uh, but one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to and, and we we had the pleasure of watching just this past evening that uh, we finally get to talk yeah. about next week The Black Phone the new team up from uh, between Scott Derrickson and Ethan Hawke is in cinemas next week I have a feeling that's going to make some dough that one I think yeah it might do it might it do, might do. <laughs> it might do. 
<laughs> Alas, that's all we have time for this week off screen. But until the next time, I've been Van Connor. And I've been Zara Phelan. And we shall return. <laughs>